0: Welcome to week three of the President's Club Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Mangle. I'm joined this week by my co-host, Jason Panici. How's it going, Jason? Great. Great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me again today.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Um, so as we said last week, uh, you can catch us on our website at www.presidentsclubsales.com uh, or also you know shoot us a message on Twitter at, at presclubsales. That's P R E S Club Sales, uh, and that's actually where this week's topic came from. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, shot me over a direct message and and asked the question of whether or not I think quota holds salespeople back. And I think that's a pretty pretty interesting topic. Um, and as I discussed that with Jason, you know, we both went through kind of a recent job search, and I think that's the um, the unspoken thing that you have when you're going through a job search or as you're you know, uh, talking about your current position is whether or not that quote is fair, and, and whether or not you can talk about that because you don't want to upset your your boss, you don't upset your other employees. So I thought it was a pretty pretty interesting topic, and I thought it was something that that could really resonate with some of our listeners. So, um, so Jason, what's what's kind of been your you know your experience with that? Did you did you feel any of that while you're going through your job search?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I had a couple of of positions that I interviewed for that. Ultimately, I felt wouldn't be a fit because of the, the quota and the structure of the compensation plan against that quota. So it, it definitely you know, it rings true to me that there can be issues surrounding what your quota is, how realistic it is to, to obtain that number, and then ultimately, how are you being compensated against that, that quota attainment. Um, so yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely experienced that when I
0: was out there in the work, the job world looking. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna talk about a, a, a few of those. I think we're gonna talk about a few of those different topics. But kind of the the caveat and how how I'll kick this off is, you know, when you're you're working with a typical sales floor, you're usually going to have, um, you know, maybe depending on the size. Let's say it's a let's say it's a 10 person, you know, sales floor cuz that's pretty that's pretty typical with smaller B2B companies as we get into we can talk to some really, you know, bigger companies there's there's a little bit of a change there but the the ratios are usually the same. You usually have out of a 10 person sales floor, you usually got your one maybe two people that are doing just blowing it out every every year and they're, you know, the rest of the sales floor almost feels envious because they see they're uh, hitting 150 200%. They're doing their president's club every year. Then you've got, you know, um maybe 40 to 60% of the floor missing quota and that could be anywhere between 20, they could be doing 20% of attainment to 60% of attainment. And then you typically have your you know, two or three that are doing between 90 and 110%, and those are usually, those are just your solid people, right? Is that, has that been your experience with a lot of the different sales floors that you've been on?
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I've seen it across big Fortune 50 companies all the way to, you know, small small businesses where they have maybe five people on the sales floor, but I think it runs the gamut, right? I mean, um, you know, I've been in sales where we were working; just our territory had fifty sales reps, and out of those fifty sales reps, fifty percent of them were missing quota, and then you know the breakdown from there as, as you got on the other side. Some were some were seventy-five percent or eighty percent of quota, and then you know some were hitting, and then some were exceeding. But the people that were hitting and, and exceeding quota were, were far less. Um, less than 10% of the overall floor.
0: Yeah, and I think you see a lot of that in, in B2B sales. I think that's a pretty normal sales floor. Now, where you run into yeah. issues is if you notice yourself, you're at a company where you have, um, you know, you've you've been brought into a company and uh, you're one of multiple people they brought in and absolutely no one's hitting, right? Where, um, you know, you, you, you feel like... Um, you, basically, where no one, no one on the sales floor is hitting you, were promised that you know your goals are attainable. You're not doing anything, and um, you know there's just not much success there, right? I think that's when you you really need to kind of take a step back and, and really start looking at things. So, um, have you yeah. have you run into that yeah. situation?
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny you mention that because that was the, the next kind of the add-on to what I was saying is, is I've been on sales floors also where no nobody attains quota. Um, no, nobody even comes you know, within, I would say, spitting distance of quarter, right? Um, and, and that's very, uh, it's demoralizing, and it's not, a, it's not a good environment to be in for a sales professional. So you absolutely have to, to look at yourself and, and the situation you're in. And if you find yourself in a business, in a company, on a sales floor, where, where just nobody is, is, is making any sales or hitting any numbers at all, um that's not going to be a good place for you to be long term
0: absolutely and i think that's the big piece of it you need to look inside right if you're on a, a sales floor and you're doing 10 to you know 10 to 30 percent of your quota or let's say 60 percent of your quota every every month and there's other people hitting you're probably not in the right fit for you right and there that's okay you know if, if you work for a company yeah. and and you know, it just ends up not working out. Don't just sit on your just don't just sit there and wait to be let go or struggle month after month because that is just you know the absolute worst. Go you know, go out and find a, a role that's better suited for you, right? And
1: yeah, and so I think well, you know, the one thing I would I would I would add to that is if you're if you're somewhere where you're hitting thirty or forty percent or pushing up towards fifty percent, I think another place where where sales reps go wrong is is they don't they don't reach out, right? I, I mean, very rarely do sales reps actually go talk to their leaders and say, hey, you know, I I, I think I can do better. How, how can I do better, right? I mean, I think that's a key point of it is, like, if you're if you're able to get to 40 or 50% consistently, then there's no reason why you couldn't get to 75% or 80% consistently. It's going to be a job. You're going to have to work at it. It's going to be a skill you're going to have to develop, but I think you can do it if you're at 10 or 20% or 0% then i would i would sort of i would go your
0: way and say okay it's probably not the right thing for you well i think what happens is people get demoralized right if you know that you're hitting 30 to 40% every every month you're just going to start giving up right cuz you're not you're probably not making money and we'll we'll talk a little bit about you know, yeah. You're, yeah, true. you know, you're, you know, your you know, what, what part of your commission rate is based on quota mm-hmm. and what parts, you know, based on just a straight commission rate, we'll talk about that. But in general, I think yeah. once you get to that point, you just start getting demoralized. And it's not, you know, it's not good for anybody. I mean, I've been in leadership, there's been plenty of times where, you know, I know it's in the best interest for everybody to move on, both from the company and on the individual side. Uh, but, you know, as, an, as a leader, there's steps you have to take. It, you, you might be able to work there for six months while you're, you know, you know, kind of just skating by. But no one's happy. You're not happy. You're worried about your job. You're, you're not making the money that you really thought you were going to. And by the same time, your leadership's not happy that, um, you know, there's, there's someone there that's kind of just, just riding it out until the, the process plays itself out, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's interesting, though, because you and I have both been, been, been in leadership positions. Um, and, and, I can't recall a time where I had, and I had a number of reps who weren't, who weren't attaining quota. And I would say we're still in that, that 40 to 50% range. Um, I can't remember a time where one of them ever came and asked me, you know, for help. Right. Have you ever, have you ever experienced that where a rep actually is proactive and, and says, you know, Hey, I'm, I, I know I'm hitting 40 or 50%. I like, I like the job. I think I can do better. Can you help me?
0: Yeah, I, I've i so I've had it both ways. I think in general, uh, most of the time people hide, right? You get into uh, yeah. Most of the time they hide. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't wanna, you know, I don't wanna go face to face with my leader because now he he maybe he'll recognize that I'm he or she will recognize that I'm not uh, I'm not attainable and I, I still work here that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And then I've also yeah. I've had situations where I think some some really good people have come up to me and said, hey, help me out, and and I've worked with them. Um, and I've seen some, you know, I've seen a couple cases where there's been movement, but, you know, sometimes it ends there, right, where people come up and ask questions, and I'll give them tips, and then you don't see those things in process. You see, you see them um, for the next, you know, week or two weeks, they'll be, they'll continue to do the things that you give them tips for, and then as soon as you don't see instant results, you you kind of move on, right? So um, I've yeah, seen that. Yeah, that's
1: true on both sides, right? They quit, and the leader quits usually
0: too, right? They right. kind of both give up. Yeah, and, that, and that's you know, we we I think we fall too too much in sales. We fall into kind of that short term mindset instead of you know taking you know finding out what the real answer is long term. We just think about hey, can this you know this hasn't worked today, so now I'm just going to give up, right? And and sales is just a numbers game. It's it's something that you have to keep doing over and over and over again yeah so so I think there's you know you know kind of taking this to the next step I think there's there's a few things to, to look at here if you find yourself that you've been in this situation at, three or four different companies and you find yourself jumping around you know you know you probably need to take a step back and make sure that this is the right environment for you i think there's a lot of times that people are very successful in either a consumer-based sale and try to go to b2b or somebody that's very successful in ab 2 b environment that tries to go to a consumer environment um, and they're just not an interchangeable those aren't interchangeable so there might be a there still could be a niche for you out there, but you need to find it. And I, I think that's the big piece that I want to talk about is when you find that niche, you need to stay with it. Because um, once you get to that point where you're really successful in the, in the role, you're very much in demand. And we're, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, has that been your experience too with people kind of trying, you know, they find themselves, uh, you know, doing this over and over and over again at, at different roles and, and, and not kind of kind of looking in the mirror?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, in sales, that's, uh, it's, you can look at just about any sales rep's resume, and and more than likely you're going to find three or four different positions within the same industry on on three-quarters of those resumes. So it's very common for, for a rep to, to keep making that same jump to the next, the next big, you know, leader in the industry and or the next provider in the industry and think they're gonna get different results and they end up getting the same or worse results and then they jump jump ship there and, and move on to a similar situation and, and then fail again. So and I'm sure you've seen it as a leader as well, right? When you look at people's resume you'll see you'll see them hopping from from provider to provider within the same same industry.
0: Yeah. And so, what happens uh, a lot of times, especially with a lot of new SaaS companies coming out there, and and all those sort of things, people get really good at, at one role. And when you're really good at one role, you you know you may be at a company for five to six years, and you become their number one salesperson. and You move up through there. Well, then that person gets headhunted as a VP of sales at or a, biz, a sales director at another company. Well, they go to that other company and they try to emulate the things that were working, maybe in a you know a A similar industry but not the exact same thing and Uh they create quotas or they create goals that end up being unattainable right so you know they start promising all the things that they had at this established company you go to another company and those things just don't happen so by the same token if you find yourself at a company where everyone's missing quota and you you feel like there's just you know you've had every promise in the world but you you're not seeing any results from it there are cases where it could go back on the company, and you need, to, you need to be able to have that conversation with your boss and have realistic expectations of, of what that quota attainment needs to be because, like I said before, I think the quota can really hold you back if, if it's just not attainable. If you feel like it's not attainable whatsoever, you're just going to give up. Um, and so you really have to kind of you know, mesh that, you, you know, kind of mesh from there as well.
1: Well, one of the things you have to look at, too, is, is you know, how many people are on the sales floor are hitting that quote. I mean, you talked about it at the beginning. The typical breakdown is, you know, a certain percentage is hitting or exceeding, and um, the rest are either 30 or 40 percent, or they're missing altogether. But, but if there are people there who are hitting, those people have an insight into what it takes to get it done. And oftentimes what you find is is that sales leaders do a poor job of leveraging those top performers and the top performers also don't really want to be a part of that conversation and they sort of hide and they sort of keep the the secrets to success to themselves. Right. Um, which is part of the whole competitive world that we live in makes sense, right? They want to remain on top. Um, so I think you know there are ways that reps can can tap into the top performers and find a way to to achieve their goals. I think it's also important to look at the tenure of the top performers too, and that's something that's often missed. You mentioned um, we tend to be very short term, uh, micro focused, right? And and a lot of the, the very successful reps, specifically on the B two B side, maybe not so much on the business to consumer, but. They tend to have been with the company for a minimum uh, of three to five years, and and it probably took them the first twenty-four months of their career to get to a point where they started to to achieve some significant traction. Um, And I I often think that's overlooked. Right? It's it's uh, it's what have you done for me in the last you know two months? What have you done for me in the last three months? You know, you're not performing it's not a fit or they feel like it's not a fit and and leadership does a pretty poor job of of helping them see that long-term goal that could be there for them if they keep at it right if they remain consistent they keep doing their what they're supposed to be doing on a daily basis that that long-term goal could be there for them but they're going to have to work for it
0: mm-hmm. and i think that's a thing too that you know as you see people that are successful in this we you always have people on the sales floor that act like all these things were just given to these people that have been there for five to 10 years, right? That, oh yeah, um, all the time. All right? Time. But yeah. I'll tell you, a trait, people that truly want to be successful and are highly money motivated and, and just believe in it, they all have the same traits, right? They're all very driven, they don't stop when they hit quota, their, their goal is not, like when I go into a, when I go into an individual contributor role or a leadership role or anything, my goal is not quota. My goal is hey, how do I maximize my compensation plan? And typically that starts with it starts with obtaining quota. So I usually try to I try to map out my week or my month or whatever into where where do I hit my quota? How do I hit my quota two thirds of the month in? So then that everything I make on top of that, you know, that last third is is really the the money. That's really the high end dollar amount, the 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 big money that I can make, right? I make more in the yeah. last 10, mo- 10 days of the month than I do the first twenty days when I'm just trying to get to quota, right? And that's the the mentality that I think people have. So when I talk when we talk about having it does quota hold you back? The first thing I'll say, well, I've said a few things, but First thing I'll say to you is get the idea of quota just being this number that you need to hit out of your mind. You know, you shouldn't be you shouldn't just be stopping when you hit quota. You shouldn't be happy, you know, it feels good to hit quota, but at the end of the day it doesn't really matter if you're just hitting quota. You're going to hit the number that you're driving to no matter what. If you're you're putting yourself all in in and, and sales and and, and just going at it the entire month, your number is gonna fall where it's gonna fall, right? So you need to get this huge, this barrier and this huge weight off of you with quota. You're either gonna hit it, you're not, right? Um, but I think very successful salespeople see quota as a given and they don't even think about the number. They just know that they're gonna exceed it and, and they're gonna do as high and as many sales as they can, and, and where that falls doesn't really matter with the number that the, the company puts on them. The number is going to be what they drive to and, and where they hit it.
1: Yeah, so, so what do you do when you're in an environment where the top performers or people who would normally be top performers aren't achieving that?
0: And that's that's the issue, right? So if you you find yourself that there's nobody, like you know your top performers are starting to fall down, or there's just there's no one on the sales floor that's hitting anything, there's twofold. So a don't just automatically assume that you're in a bad situation, right? Because I've gone yeah. into companies where everybody you know everyone's been doing it the same way for years and it's just not performing the way it used to but sometimes that can be a huge advantage to you because if you can go on there and start doing things a little bit differently and and start obtaining quota and exceeding quota everyone's going to look to you and you're going to get a lot of a lot of accolades and and a lot of recognition immediately because you're you know you're doing something no one else does so don't automatically just say hey this is unfair I can't do it because you know you need to look at those those moments um, as times where you can shine and and um, you know really exceed and, and excel and and get your name out there. So I think you know kind of change your mentality don't get stuck in with all the you know all the people that are saying oh my gosh this is no one's making money here don't uh, you know don't get stuck with that group right Find, try to be a little bit different fine-tune the way you do things believe in yourself and go at it and give it a really hard try. Um, and you know, if, if you still notice that a year later, everyone is, is still missing, then it, you know, it probably says something about the company, right? Yeah. So is that kind of what you were thinking as well?
1: Yeah, I think, I think so. I think if, you know, you're in that situation where, you know, just nobody's hitting it, I think you have to look at the process. I think you're right. You know, you have to look at what the company's been doing and you have to find a way to make it work uh, yourself, right? And, and if, it's, if it's successful, you know, it's gonna help your career substantially. You're gonna get ahead, you're gonna, people are gonna look at you, and, and you're gonna get a lot of accolades, like you said, right? Um, a lot of attaboys and, and pats on the back. Um, and, and people are probably gonna ask you to define it and, and implement it so they can copy it and, and have everybody else that they bring on board do the same thing, because it's working. So, I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, so yeah, I think that's, uh, that's what I would say as well. Um, what's been your experience with companies that run, so a lot of the companies that I've run into, where I've been in the sales uh, environment where they're not hitting quota, um, I've experienced a lot of what, what I would consider to be, um, for lack of a better term, sales prevention, internal sales prevention. Have you ever been a part of that or experienced that?
0: So you're talking about like sales engineers, that sort of stuff on the floor that uh, yeah, they yeah, don't. Yeah,
1: tech. Yeah, you, know, you know, you know, my background primarily tech. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think you know, with with uh, the engineering side of the house, it can you know, it can be a challenge to, to get engineers to see things from a business perspective. And look, I you know, full full disclosure, it can be a, it can be challenging to get sales reps to see it from a technical perspective, right? So it goes both ways. Yeah. but um you know when ultimately what the what the goal the end goal is is to drive revenue um i would think that you know the sales aspect of it would would win out in the end but oftentimes it doesn't so i don't know uh, have you had much experience with that on your side
0: yeah i'll take a step back from that too so when people that are really really successful especially when they come on kind of new or the first year or two years in the company I think that, and it goes back to what I was saying before. I think how that happens is you think differently, right? And you're you're not afraid to challenge, you know, the way things are done. And I think that's why they, you know, that's why people hire high-end salespeople because they want you to come in. And do things differently than the, the way everybody else is doing it. So when we talk about, you know, there being sales prevention and and how awful that can be, that's going to happen to you if you think differently. That sales prevention could come from, like I said, sales engineers that are part of it, but that sale that could come from leadership, that can come from mainly product development, marketing, all these different things that they're going to they're yep. going to want to do it the way they've done it forever, right? And and usually those things have led to why you have 30 to 50 percent of the salespeople on the floor missing um, because they're they're relying on all these tools instead of just believing in themselves and trying to think differently and come up with new ideas and new ways to sell and new ways to market, all those sort of things. So when we talk about high-end consultative sales, you really need to get outside of the box of what you just normally do with your product or your service and you know, start thinking of ways that that is going to adapt to your client, um, and you you have you have to do that, and you have to you have to stand up for yourself and talk to your leadership, talk to marketing, talk to product managers, and explain why you're doing this. And the days of just cookie cutter um, services and options to go out to your clients, those days are over. Right. You a client wants things specialized to what they do. If you create a SaaS software and that software is is not compliant to a different company's LMS or it's not compliant to their, um, you know, their, their internal systems, if it doesn't integrate with it, they're not going to buy it. Right. you Those things. Yeah. It's not about your company. It's not about the product you know you need to adhere to your clients right you need to adhere to their their specialty and if your company is fighting you on that you need to take a step back and you need to talk to your leadership you need to talk to your your if you're small enough company talk to your ceo talk to your vps the people are in these roles typically because they're pretty smart and they're going to listen to you and they're going to respect your opinion. And I, I think the people that step up and, and, and think of those outside the box solutions, they're the ones that are going to be really, really successful in the sales roles. And those are the people that achieve quota, that exceed quota. Um, you know, when somebody says that you know, a number is not obtainable, the way you attain those massive numbers is by growing really high-end holistic solutions.
1: Do you worry about creating friction internally by by taking that approach? Yeah. So you know you're, you're, yeah. So talk a little bit about that because I'm sure there's a lot of reps, myself included. You know, I've I've, obviously I've had to take that approach many times in my career because of you know a conflict with the uh, the sales engineering team, or like you mentioned, the marketing team, or whomever it is that's throwing obstacles in in your path, Um, and you've got to find a way around those obstacles. And usually it's like you said, it's going to leadership and, and helping that, talking with them and having them help you to get, get those, uh, those obstacles removed. I think um, it's- but I've, I have found it does, it does tarnish your relationship with the people that you sort of went around, right? So, so what, what do you think about that? How do you keep those relationships healthy and intact while taking that approach?
0: So I think it's all about how you handle it, right, and how you approach it. If you just go in, um, and uh, believe me, I've seen this because I, you know, salespeople have salespeople have all these ideas, and if we did it this way, everyone would just be fine, right? And that's not really what I'm talking about. We, it's all about how you integrate and approach it with your team. So you know a you have to show that you respect the opinion you respect how everyone's doing things and you're not coming in and just trying to change everything but more that you want to collaborate with that other team member or that um, you know your leadership or whatever to find ways that we can do things better and hopefully emulate that with the rest of the you know the rest of the team and sometimes you have to just kind of take the bull, bull by the horns and bring a you know bring revenue to people like show, you know, go out and just kind of start doing it without getting a whole bunch of people involved. And then when you bring revenue to your CEO or you bring revenue to your VP of sales, it's really hard for them to say, I don't want the money or I, I, I want us to miss our goals because I'm not going to accept this sale. Right. So start showing, going out and proactively doing it and then showing them the results and showing that it can work as opposed to just having theory that's very very important when you're going out and doing it but by the same token i think the one that everyone gets into is marketing and sales just hate each other right and that's that that's always yeah, the the big yeah. fight is you know marketing will i'm sure there's so many marketing managers that go home uh talk to their wife or talk to their husband and just complain about sales for hours right and by the same token <laughs> i guarantee there's a ton of there's a lot of sales people that come out and just say oh my gosh marketing's just not behind us well Let's think about it, right? People have gone to college for these, you know. They've gone to college. They've gone to endless, endless trainings on on how to market. And with marketing, there's new things that come out every single day. I mean, there's so many SaaS gadgets out there geared towards the marketing departments. There's so many. Just every day, you could go through a new marketing training and a new way of doing that. Um, so I think what what happens with that is is collaborating with your marketing team and saying, you know, I respect and I I really appreciate everything you've done. Um, have you guys looked into this, you know, into this system or what, you know, how can we, how can we, um, how can we integrate this new process into what we do and, and just have an honest conversation? And usually the way that starts, uh, is they're going to ask, uh, how much does it cost? And you, um, you know, if you can come up with free or cheap solutions, cause there's so many different inexpensive marketing solutions that are out there if you come with with those ideas usually they're going to they're really going to appreciate that as long as you're bringing them into the conversation if you try to just um evade them uh or elude yeah. them that's when you're going to get into a lot of issues and and that's where if you go straight to your ceo saying oh my gosh marketing's doing nothing for us um that's where you're going to have some issues with that i think
1: yeah, we do. You tend to run into those. It's interesting you mentioned that, uh, you know, just going out and selling and uh, and bringing the revenue to the table, and it's going to be very hard uh, for the leadership, the CEO, the VP of sales to say no. And, and that's true. I I think that's, that's exactly what would happen, right? They're not going to walk away from that revenue. Um, but what, what about, you know, your sales engineers feel like they're a core part of the sales process, and... If you cut them out of the sales process, you know, how, how does that work from that point forward, right? If you're, just, if you're just working around them to get a sale done, which I think it would have to be the case because, you know, if you're talking sales prevention and from a technical level, that's usually where it happens um, is, is with the engineering side of the house. So, um, so, so what do you think about that? I mean, do you just do it anyway and, and just, just go ahead and, and, and make the sale? And then, you know, talk to your sales
0: engineer after the fact. How, how do you approach that? So I think it comes back to what we talked about, um, I think, week one or episode one, I should say. We don't know if we're doing this weekly or not. Um, <laughs> is going back to episode one is is we talked about being a expert in your field, right? So yeah. I think bringing sales engineers is great, but I think you need to get yourself to a knowledge point where you – You basically know from theory, not actually doing it, but from theory, you can talk about the product and service and how it integrates with a client's, um, you know, whatever it is. It it integrates to a client's um, core proponents now or software. You need to be able to talk about that almost to the level of the engineer. So when you bring it to the engineer, you know you know there's a way to make it work, right? And if the engineer is yeah. evading and saying, no, we're just, I don't want to take the time to do that, it doesn't make sense for us, then that makes that conversation way easier with the CEO. So I think it comes back to, again, yourself, you know, make sure that you have that knowledge base and you're that expert in the field so that you can take that back. And also, make sure the engineers, make sure the engineers want, you know, want sales right because and that comes back to comp plans and all that sort of things make sure that there's something they have some skin in the game right if
1: yeah yeah if, i was just going to say uh, i think that's a nice segue into compensation because i think oftentimes there, there is no skin in the game for the sales engineer and am, I, am i mistaken there because i i mean i've never been a sales engineer so i don't know i don't know how they're rewarded but it, it certainly feels like they don't have any skin in
0: the game yeah i mean it's not the skin that you have but they're they usually have some kind of override in it and you need to play on that so i think that's a conversation it, it might be a tough conversation but um you know have a conversation with your sales engineer find out how they get paid and if they're not getting paid if you're making enough money on it try to find a way to get them paid right if yeah if um so a one thing about vp is a sales because uh, i've been there been sales directors all that sort of stuff we want people, or they want people, to be motivated. And the number one way to motivate a salesperson is through compensation, right? And it's the same thing, you know, with with anything we do. I, I mean, people that send in mail and rebates, all that sort of stuff. People people will do things if if they have skin in the game and to get motivated. So talk to your sales engineers and find out how they get paid, and find out how you can help them. Maybe it's not paid. Maybe they get bonus, or maybe they get. Um, You know, they could, depending on how many tickets they put through, there's a lot of different things that, that, that matter to sales engineers, but find out what motivates them. It's just salespeople are really good at finding out what motivates our customers. It's the exact same thing internally. Find out what motivates your internal client, your internal people and, and tailor it to that. And I guarantee they're going to help you way more if you're, you're helping them get to whatever it is. It, It could be money. It could be recognition. Um, but I, I, I think that we get to, uh, as salespeople, we think too often that sales engineers and leadership, they just want to be left alone. Like the least amount of work they can do to get, um, you know, least amount of work they can do, uh, to, to keep their job and, and to stay, you know, to stay relevant, they're going to do it. And, and that's probably not the case. I think they, I think every, in general, I believe everyone wants to be successful and they want to be the best at what they do. Um, you know, so have that conversation with them to, to find out what motivates them. I think that's, that's a big piece to it.
1: Do you think companies miss the boat? Because we're talking about quota attainment, and obviously this, is, this is a big, it can be a big uh, hindrance to attaining your quota. Do you think companies do a good job of, of aligning sales direct sales quotas with sales engineering goals?
0: No. Um, <laughs> in general, no. Uh, I I think... I think is, that,
1: is that the problem? I mean, is that really the, is the solution that easy?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a lost piece. I, I think in general, what you run into, and I, I think we're talking about a very specific product here, but it, I think it's useful a lot of different ways. I think what happens with a lot of SaaS companies, because that's really... In, in technical sales right now, SaaS companies are popping up every day, and they're headhunting salespeople like crazy. I mean, I get... I can't. Yeah. I get nine to ten SaaS companies that are headhunting me on a weekly to biweekly basis. Right? right what I right. think happens with these, and and, and,
1: I, and I guarantee you they have an engineering team too, right? A sales right. engineering
0: team. So guarantee. I think absolutely. I think what happens is you have the CEO or the you know the ownership group are usually the people that have that have built the product, right? and they're not they're yeah, not really yeah. sales people right they they may they've, they've dealt with sales quite a bit in the past but they're usually more on the technical side they built the product or they're they're investors and they're they're really really involved with it right and they're not used to they don't want to let go of that they're just very very involved with the product and they believe in the product and they made it for a very specific reason um that i think that compensation and and having motivation for for sales individuals gets left out sometimes because they're not built that way they're built with hey i made this really great product i i deserve the money from it because it's so good it's going to sell itself um that you know and and i've been working majority of the time on a base salary which has been high um and now it's my time to get paid from this the the product's so good it's going to sell itself that they forget that what a key component sales can play in that. And I think that's where you see a lot of year one, year two struggles with SaaS companies, especially when it comes to compensation plans. Or by the same token, Uh they come out with ridiculous compensation plans and pay their salespeople 25 to 30% of the the sale because they're just like, well, I'll make 70% of it. I'm doing pretty damn good, right? I see those two things happen a lot in the SaaS and technical industry. And I can see very easily why that would miss sales engineers because that's just not what is piece, uh, is first in mind with a lot of the, the, the CEOs and leaders of those kind of companies. Would you? Yeah,
1: and that kind of plays into, so I've noticed that the customer success or client success um, title has been coming up a lot recently, and they play a, a role in the sales arena with the sales engineers and the, the sales team after the sale has been made, what, what, how do you think they fit into all of this? What what are what are your thoughts there? And, and do they have you know say, or do they have some sort of ability to help people make quota more attainable as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have those sort of people, you're doing great, right? I I, I think there's some definitely there's a lot of value in that, right? That if you can have a client yeah. service person, that's great. They are bonus and, and I've been a client service specialist when I was very young. Um, there's definitely bonuses it's nowhere near what your bonuses are but they're there so they're going to help but i think that role and the creation of that role comes back to what i was talking about is is i think again it comes back they think their product or service is so great that you just need someone that's going to come up and, and make people happy and that's all we need right um so i going back to the motivation factors though those client service people do have bonuses on top of it and if you, if you can find a way to pivot and have them work with you and, and don't and, and don't treat them as a barrier you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of success in, in your role because you can actually have somebody like that basically working for you and let's say you have eight salespeople on the floor I bet six of those eight people are saying that those people are barriers Um, Who do you think they're going to come to once you become good friends with them? Who do you think they're going to come to when they have a client that 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 has a question and wants to wants an upsell or you have a client that calls them? Who are they going to forward that call to the person that treats them like a barrier or the person that says, I want to work with you and make you more money? And how do we work together and how do how do we do those sort of things? Right. I think that's a big piece too. you know, buddying up with these other departments can really have some some really good value to you later on when when that extra call or the client contacts them directly right
1: and you think that that can help lead back uh, to quota attainment
0: yeah absolutely and these are all things when we're giving these tips these are all things that the top tier salespeople do just intrinsically they don't they don't think about this they just do these things they they don't see these other departments as barriers Um, when I do see somebody as a barrier I just kind of shut them off I don't I don't uh, I don't become negative to them or anything like that but I just I don't utilize them that much but I still keep very positive Um, but in general like my my goal with marketing you know leadership other departments is I want to be really good friends with them and find ways that I can help them and we can all work together because A that makes your your job just so much easier, but it also, there's going to be value to that later on when you do have a tough customer or you need to build a non-cookie-cutter solution, they're going to be there to help you with it and, and and try to push it over the top.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: So I think you, you touched on a, a point um, that I want to get to, and that is, um, you know, how, how people are quoted and how their, um, their bonus structures are and all that sort of thing. And I've seen really... I've seen two ways, and I've had all, you know, I've, I've had so many different comp plans being in sales for 16, 17 years now. Um, so really, it, it comes down to two things. It either comes down to a percentage of your, so if you hit quota, you, you know, you get your bonus attached to quota, and that usually happens for leadership, right? If you're in a management level higher, you're almost always going to be, a, a, you should be quoted on your goal, Right. Um, and then you have another piece of percentage of sales. So it could be a flat five percent. It could be a flat ten percent. It just depends on the role, right? In general, a salesperson's percentage of revenue—you um, want that if you're anywhere between fifteen to twenty-five percent of revenue, you're probably at a pretty good, pretty good quota attainment. Would you would you agree with that or a percentage? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. That's about where you want to be, fifteen to twenty-five percent of revenue. If you're if you're below that you're, you're, you're probably getting hosed, right? <laughs> um, right, but right. That, that's about the number that you want to be is 15 to 25% of revenue. Um, and with, you know, with accelerators, that sort of stuff you want, you want to have all that into your comp plan. But, um, those are really the two things that, 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 you know, you roam around and that's, that's where we come back to is your quota holding you back. Let's say that you're just a percentage of your sales amount. Why the hell are you worrying about what your quota is? Right? If you're making ten percent on every sale, and yes, you might get a uh uh accelerator when you hit the quota that they put out there, why are you setting back when you're at fifty percent of quota and not just selling more? Right? Everything every dollar you don't sell keeps money out of your pocket. Uh, but I've seen it too many times I mean, I've 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 managed on sales floors where a salesperson's you know Percentage has nothing to do with their quota, and I've seen it when they get down in the fifty or sixty percent range, they just they just shut off, right? And it, I don't understand. They're only they're only hurting themselves. Um, so have you had that? I mean, what is that kind of the two realms that you've you've really experienced as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, so the the excuses and or the arguments, but however you want to look at them, um, that I've heard. Um, and I think it kind of goes to your point because you're saying they're not rewarded based off of them attaining quota, right? They're just rewarded off of a flat percentage of whatever it is they sell. Um, you know, so the arguments I've heard is, well, you know, I only make X number of dollars more if I put in all this extra effort to get the quota. So why, why would I put in the extra effort if you're only going to pay me another 220 bucks? Right. Um, (laughs) Or, or, you know, the other side of that argument that I've heard is, you know, my, if, I, if I push the extra effort to hit quota uh, or exceed quota, it just goes to taxes anyway. So I'd rather stay at 40 or 60% and, uh, and not have to pay as much in taxes.
0: But those are the same. All of
1: which are self-limiting, yeah. but, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's definitely stuff that I've heard reps throw around as reasons why they don't go for it. Um, so I think it's important, at least in my mind, it's important to set bonus structures and commission plans that are that are centered around obtaining that goal. Right, they get a bigger reward for getting there.
0: Yep.
1: So anyway, but go
0: ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, when you have. So if you are lucky enough to have a percentage that is there's no one else that can manipulate that and it's a straight percent of what you're selling because that is rare and you're probably going to lose it eventually, um, <laughs> uh, if you're lucky <laughs> enough to have that you know keep pushing because you know kind of to Jason's point the no matter what if it's attainable if it's quota attainment or if it's money there's a lot of additional non tangible benefits to hitting your quota and being seen as that superstar. Um, the same people that that have that mentality and are happy being at 90 percent every month and and they just kind of stay in that realm are the same people that are in the same exact role making the exact same money for the next three or five years and they're you know they're doing okay with themselves, but they're not you know sales can be incredibly, incredibly lucrative if you're good at it, right? If you push yourself higher and you, I mean, you're going to be at work anyways, right? Why do you, why do you need to like sit around while you're at work and and not work, right? That doesn't make any sense to me. You're <laughs> going to kill the time anyway, so make yourself more money while you're there. But even if it's just if the money's not what's motivating you for you, when you're asking why these other people are getting promoted or you know, you know, why somebody become a lead, why does somebody become a manager, why is becoming become a VP of sales, it's because they have that drive, and it's not just about they don't think that way. They don't think about, hey, I could lose money by making more sales. They just think, I want to win. I want to be good at this and that, that the money and all the success is going to come with that just because I all I want to do is win and all I want to do is just keep going. I want more. I want more. Yeah. That's yeah. the mentality that, that drives people that are that are really always the people that exceed the quotas and, and, and keep going.
1: Well, it's a career-minded mentality and I think that's that's the, the difference, right? If you have somebody in there that's that's not career-minded, and they they don't want to get ahead long term. Then they're probably not going to care as much, um, and they're going to make those excuses about why why push and why put the extra effort in. Now, if you do have somebody who's career-minded, um, then you you, know, you have to tap into that a little bit. And I think I think this goes back to, to companies and how they set quotas and and how they. Um, how they put career paths in place, if they put any career paths at all. Um, I'm sure you can attest to this, and I, I know I can. A lot of the places that I've sold for, I would be hard-pressed to, uh, to explain to somebody what my career path would be if I were to to do X, Y, or Z, right? Um, and I think if you have career-minded individuals, they they won't be as motivated if that career path is not there for them if you can't see it yeah would you, would you say that's true
0: yeah and I'll, you know i'll take it a step further i've gone to companies where i didn't see that path but i just knew that i wanted to do good and and be in a good light and career paths kind of open up for people that are successful right um yeah they so, can. yeah so i think that's um but what were you gonna say jason
1: no no i think that's that's important right it's you know it may not be there but don't assume that just because they haven't laid it out and you don't see it that it's not there you have to you have to work and and opportunities will present
0: themselves right and don't so you know the, the key to what we're saying here too and, and we've talked about it quite a bit here is you know so do you, you don't ever don't quota does not need to be a number that you just strive to, that don't think about that number anymore right just Sell as much as you possibly can every month and don't stop, right? Don't stop and and just keep pushing. And in every minute, if you ask yourself, "Am I doing something that's going to make me money?" And if you're doing something, the answer to that question is no, then you need to do stuff that are is is going to make you money. I think of my my seven to ten hours, depending on you know the day of the week while I'm working. I think of. I, I think, see, I think of time as money, right, as, as every, every minute that I'm using at work, I need to find, uh, I need to find value in that. And I started off making, you know, I've started, I've been hourly, I've done all these sort of things, and I think every day about what my hourly rate is. And every minute uh-huh. that I'm working, or every hour that I'm working without making money, my hourly rate is going down. So... I I am always trying to strive to make that hourly rate go higher and higher and higher and higher for myself, and so I think about it when I'm you know I don't waste time I don't I don't go to work just to be seen that I'm at work right I go to work to make myself money I'm I'm giving my seven to ten hours away depending on what it is, um, and I need that to be valuable to myself. If and if you're in a sales role, you're in a unique opportunity where. You control how much money you make. You control what your hourly rate is. You control what your bonuses are. And you need to think that same way. If you're at a job right now, and you just you you can't wait for five o'clock or four o'clock or whatever whatever time you get off, you can't wait for that bell to ring or whatever you know school mentality. You need you need to change the way you think or find a new position because you should be thinking that it's I can leave whenever I want. I can do. While I'm at work, I'm there to make money and, and, and to push my hourly rate up higher and make as much money and be as successful as I can during that time. And I think that's the mentality that a lot of people that exceed quota and are really successful in these these positions, they, they think that way. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it makes absolute sense. The only, the only thing that I would add to that is if you're worried about your quota, so I think the reason a lot of reps think about their quota is because they think that that's the number that's been set for them to maintain employment, basically. So it becomes a fear thing for them that, you know, I have to hit this number or I'm gonna lose my job. But I think if you're thinking that way, you're you're already setting yourself back, right? You shouldn't be worried about losing your job or getting fired or whatever the case may be. The only thing you should be worried about, to your point, is is how much money you can make. How much how much can you you actually increase your your rate, your hourly rate, if you will, right? Your billable hours, however you want to put it, right? Um, that, that should really be the only thing in your mind, right? Because that's what's going to make you get the W-2 you want at the end of the year. Um, and if you're not doing those things, then your W-2 is not going to look how you want it to look. So um, don't worry about your quota, right? Don't worry about getting fired. Do the things that you got to do to succeed, and, and the rest will take care of itself.
0: So to that point, I want to talk about um you know i want to talk about the annual review process and i want to talk about um how in demand you are right so we've talked a lot about you know getting out of the mentality of of being of struggling right because you know in general 70 percent of people that should be listening to this in sales are probably not hitting their quota so we spent some time there and, and and you're talking to people that have seen a lot of quota attainment so we're, we're talking about that but by the same token once you get to that point you are in demand like so you uh-huh. you're the you're rare right you're that you're the 20 or 30 percent companies are going going to want to re- retain you right and I, I wouldn't know, even say
1: the 20 or 30 you're like the 10 percent
0: you're the 10 percent right and yeah,
1: yeah you're in the top top percentage for sure I mean but yeah go ahead go ahead
0: but yeah then that's the exact point don't you know you you need to understand that you are that, that top that 10 percent and you know it I'm not saying go out and just say, "Hey, give me a raise," because that—that's not it, you know. <laughs> I was
1: gonna say, I think you have to approach it. You have to know that, but you have to approach it in, yeah, in a meaningful and in a humble way, right? Don't, yeah, don't. We're not saying go out there, you know, you know, start demanding r- ridiculous things to your, to your leaders.
0: But okay. y- yeah, and it, it just I just want people to understand that, though, that you. You know you are rare you they want to find ways to to emulate you and if you can come out with a, a very positive attitude and you stay humble and and you're still doing these things you are going to be very very important to companies so um what i want to say there is just make sure when you go through your annual review process or you you do sit down with leadership that you you know that you're not kind of at their mercy right and that comes to a few things when we talk about quota and how everything's you know if your if your compensation is is mesh meshed up with quota and all of a sudden you notice next year your quota goes up 300 percent because you hit goal it's not a one-way street on that conversation right and and they they want to retain you, but they probably don't want to pay you as much as they paid you last year. Um, but you need to you need to be open yep. to that conversation and understand how rare what you're doing is. And if you found a market where you're able to obtain those sort of goals, 150, 160 percent of your goal. By the same token, understand how rare that is in the field, and you know don't just go to greener pastures for five thousand dollars more um, when your total compensation plan. Could be very risky if you end up giving up this kind of golden goose that you're doing, right? And that you're really good and you've cut a niche into, right? So understand that once you get to that point, you really have to you really have to get into um, some deep conversations with your leadership, and that's where you're gonna get more respect and and be able to have those those bigger conversations with leadership. So you know that's kind of when we talk about you know getting to that golden egg and getting to this this higher goal. All these conversations that you, you wish people were listening to you about that they're not listening to you about right now, those things will come once you once you show your worth and once you show your value. As a new employee at a company, you're not there yet, right? You, you have to go in with no ego. They're not going to listen to you until you prove you can do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really good point there, and it's one that I, I definitely wanted to, to touch upon because I've seen it happen so many times in, in my career where the company essentially moves the target at the end of the year. Um, and, and it kind of wreaks havoc on the sales rep's plan, right? I mean, the sales rep has, a, has an idea or a, a concept in their head about, okay, I'm selling 130% of my goal this year. I know based on the pipeline that I've teed up, I can do 150% next year. And if I do hit 150% next year based on my comp plan, I can I can pretty much guarantee I'm going to make X right, mm-hmm. um, whatever that number happens to be. But then you go into your annual review and they move the target on you, um, and that can be you know demoralizing, right? I mean, it can it can actually cause a lot of issues uh, internally with with morale because they feel like, and, and you said it, that you know they don't want to pay them what they're paying them. So so is that really is that really true? Is that really the motivations there? Or, or is
0: it, is it something else that that you know we're not seeing as salespeople? Well, they think. I mean, I think in general, what happens is, uh, again, I don't think a lot of the people that make these goals are salespeople. So they under, they think that a a, a a driven salesperson is going to hit these goals no matter what it is. So they want to keep raising that that dollar amount so that they're they're growing revenue and 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 all those sort of things, and. You know what I was saying before is just understand that you you know you don't have to just take that. There, I think yeah. it makes a lot yeah. of sense for them you know to have slight increases. But if all of a sudden you notice a three hundred percent increase year over year, listen, they have to make you, you, you need to make if the company is making more revenue, you should have the same. The same idea of making more money, and 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 make sure you're at a place that values that, and they value your your worth. And and you know, if you're bringing a company an additional two million dollars in revenue, and they're worried about paying you you know five to ten thousand dollars more, there's a big issue there, right? And and they understand it. If you walk out the door, that that's not going to happen. So you need to, you need to have that conversation, right? Yeah,
1: and I think that's just it, right? I mean, I think a lot of times people feel stuck. And they feel like, you know, they're in a spot where, well, I guess they don't have a choice. They just have to take it. And I think to your, to your overarching point here is you, you do have a choice. I mean, if you're one of the reps that is hitting 125 or 130% of your goal, you know, multiple years in a row, you have many, many choices. And, and you don't really – you don't have to be in a position where you sacrifice your own cost, your, your own ability to make more money, you um, your own quality of lifestyle, right? To uh, to appease a company that obviously doesn't, doesn't value you and, and is throwing a target at you—that's just not attainable, or or is so so drastically
0: higher that you know you're going to make less. yeah No, I think that's good, and I think that's a I think it's a good point for us to kind of leave off on too. That um, you know you still have some stake in the game, and and um, in, in don't be afraid to. Uh, to understand your value, no matter what, because um, you know salespeople that are are top tier are very very in demand, um, and and just know that. But also, you know, if you have a company that values you, and you have a C, you have a leadership or CEO that that you know values you. That's you know it's rare, you know, sometimes. So make sure that you know yep. you, 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 you hopefully you you're in a, if you're a top tier performer, you know, a don't show ego, and and b you know just have those conversations with people cuz in general I, I think people are good and they're not just trying to take you know hoard all the money they they're going to they're they're going to like you if you're making them revenue just have an open conversation you know the, i've i personally and i've seen it too many times where people just get our, our first reaction is just anger Right. I mean, in general, salespeople aren't the most easygoing people. Sometimes, right? Um, no. That no. shouldn't be your first thing, right? Just have a conversation and, and just understand that you are fortunate, you know, in, in these situations, and don't um, don't show the ego and don't 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 show the anger. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, be be gracious. Um, be grateful that you know you have the opportunity to talk with them about it. And, and if you approach it from that angle, I think you'll get better results.
0: Perfect. No, I think it's great. Um, I think we covered quite a bit today uh, talking about, I, I think we talked quite a bit obviously about quota attainment, but I think it's a very important topic and I hope everyone found it useful. Um, you know, just like this week's um, topic, you know, was, was found to us from our, our Twitter page. Feel free, um, you know, to contact us, contact us at, uh, at Prez Club Sales, um or shoot me a message at www.PresidentsClubSales.com um you know we'd love to obviously you know tackle your issues and and talk about it here um you know feel free to feel free to reach out we'd really appreciate it uh i want to you know thank you again for for joining us joining me today jason really appreciate that i look forward to uh to being a
1: part of this going forward so it's uh it's been a lot of fun
0: all right um with that thanks thank you everybody for joining us and uh I'll, i'll we'll talk to you again soon see you next time